I do, however, really love the fact that you're a mindset skeptic. So I really want to get into that because that's a fun <laughs> conversation. Welcome to the Elevated Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Janessa McKenzie, a business mindset coach and brand strategist, and I help online experts like you stop self-sabotaging their success and unapologetically build a badass personal brand that makes marketing and sales easy. It's my mission to show you how to become who you were created to be so you can share your talents with the world, make a difference, and create the income and impact you desire. So if you're ready to end your battle with self-sabotage, regain your kick-ass confidence, and create a business and life of your dreams, listen up as I hit the BS button on the notion that hustle and hard work are all it takes to be successful, and mix the woo with the strategy to help you create the mindset, messaging, and visibility you need to attract the clients and cash that you want, while unapologetically building a powerful brand from the inside out. Now let's do this. Hey everyone, welcome to the Elevate Podcast. I'm here today with Jesse Beyer, who is a speaker, author, and business strategist, and who, along with her amazing team, helps business owners move from five figures to six figures to seven figures and creates the time and economic freedom that they're dreaming of. And that's, you know, what we talk about here in my group. We talk about all of that stuff. So, I'm excited to have her here, and the more exciting thing is that on her form, when she filled out the podcast form to be on here, she said she was a mindset skeptic, so we're going to dive into that, but Jesse, how are you today? I'm doing well. How could I not be after that introduction, so I'm happy (laughs) to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're so welcome, so welcome. So tell us a little bit more about who you are, what you do, who you serve. Yeah, absolutely. So like you said, I am a speaker, author, and business strategist, and my kind of start in entrepreneurship happened when I was a freshman in high school. Mm -hmm. I had a family friend of mine who lost their nine-month-old son to an immune disease, and I wanted Mm -hmm. to do something to support them with the remaining medical bills and funeral costs and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I ended up coordinating three iterations of a run-walk fundraiser that benefited their family and then two additional families. Um, and that was just a really crazy experience for me because I was a so young. I think I was 14 when I started doing this, but I was also doing it all myself. So I was doing the sponsor acquisition. I was doing the website design. I was doing the Facebook ads. I was doing volunteer management. Like I was doing it all and it was completely overwhelming, but completely exhilarating at the same time. And it just really got me into the field of, of running your own thing. I mean, sure. It was more nonprofit and fundraising based, but it was still mine and my baby and my project sort of deal. So I went through high school and college and I, I kind of started speaking more. I spoke at some nonprofit events. I spoke at some graduations, things like that. And then when I was in college, I really started to get serious about entrepreneurship because I was like, girl, you do not want to work 40 hours a week for 40 years and then maybe retire at the end of that. I was like, I need more than this. There is more out there for me. Yeah. Um, so I started getting serious about that. I actually started in business and network marketing with a like, healthcare skincare company and it was just not for me Mm. um but that again kind of got me in the door of like okay this is what it means to run a business this is a business bank account this is how you send an email sort of deal like the whole the whole deal there um and then I ended up speaking and mental health really became my passion so I had some mental health struggles when I was in high school I had an ex-boyfriend of mine attempt suicide and that really just ignited a personal passion in me for mental health. So the start of my real business, when I really got into it, was speaking and writing about mental health. So I still do some of that. I'm, I have a couple gigs booked this fall. I was actually just on a call with someone about speaking at their campus this fall um, about mental health. So I do still work in that space. But as I got further into that and more successful at that, I just kind of started to look back and see how many other entrepreneurs had big dreams, had amazing messages to share with the world, but were really struggling to get it out there and to get clients and actually make revenue so that they could have the dreams that they, you know, dreamed of when they started their business. Yeah. So I was like, okay, you know, I learned some stuff. I know some stuff. I can definitely give back to um, these other entrepreneurs and these other business owners, which kind of brings me to where I am today, which is I, alongside my mental health work, work with a team of business coaches to really help entrepreneurs move from that you know, first little bit of revenue of like, yes, I made it all the way up to having the type of revenue that can sustain the time and economic freedom that they're looking for. So what we and I personally really like to work with are cause-based entrepreneurs. So people that have a mission to change the world, 
It's a very broad definition, but it's a lot of like therapists and coaches and life workers and like rehab centers for children that have been through abuse or women who have had domestic violence happen to them or things like that. And those are really the people that I resonate with the most. And they are the type of people that I love working with because they're so good at what they do. They are so good at their trade. They could do that for days. But then when it comes to marketing and running a business, they would rather stick their heads in the sand. Yeah. So that's where I like to come in. And because I can, I can resonate with the type of work that they do because of my background in mental health. And then I can also come in and say, okay, let's get your marketing turned around. Let's get some partnerships. Let's get your, your pricing and your offering right. And let's really get this into a business for you so that you can make the difference that you want to make. So very long story, but that's who I am and where I got to where I am today. Yeah, that's very cool. So do you work with profit and nonprofit? I do. I do. Yes. Period. I do. <laughs> I work mostly with, <laughs> I feel like that's a yes or no question. Um, yes, I do. I work mostly with for-profit businesses just because I think the mindset in nonprofit is not as focused on investing in coaching and things like that right now. Mm. But I, I definitely have worked with some and I love working with them as well because there's little tips and tricks that are different and more things you can do with a nonprofit than with a for-profit. So I do work with both. Yes. Thanks. Very cool. All right. So tell us about this conversion equitation. Yes. So this is my favorite thing because it takes this concept of marketing messaging and puts it into an equation that you can use. Um, so it takes all of this like nebulous <clears throat> concept that's out there and makes it really concrete. So what the conversion equation does is it takes into consideration what your prospect's problem is and what result they want and spits out a really compelling marketing message. So it has four parts. <laughs> interrupt, engage, educate, and offer. The interrupt is the headline. This is the very first thing that people see or read or hear or whatever when they interact with you. And that has to address the problem that your clients have and that they don't want to have anymore. The second piece, the engage, is the sub-headline that obviously comes below the headline. um, And that addresses the solution that you can offer them, the, the result that they want to have in their life. Now, the information is the third piece. And that has you know, everything that your prospective client needs to know in order to believe that you are the expert and know that you can solve their problems. So sometimes this is a video, sometimes it's the sales copy, sometimes it's the body of an email, whatever that bulk of information is, that's the educate piece of this equation. And the final piece is the offer. This is something that you give them with two purposes in mind. Firstly, it gets you their contact information. So it's a lead magnet, an opt-in, kind of whatever word you want to put in there. Um, it gets you their contact information so that you can begin having touch points and points of contact with your prospective clients. Um, and it also shows your prospective clients that you can solve their problems. So instead of just like a call me or a contact form or a free consultation or a discount code or something like that, you are literally solving one of their problems or answering one of their questions right off the bat, which positions you as an expert. And like I said, gives you their contact information so that you can begin to follow up with them. Now, just to recap there, interrupt, engage, educate, and offer headline, subheadline, information, and your lead magnet or opt-in. Um, so that's the conversion equation. And that is, like I said, it takes this concept of marketing messaging and puts it into a very easy to follow format for people when they're writing sales pages, emails, websites, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm um, constantly telling my audience to disrupt the pattern. So uh, that's what I call it. I call it a pattern disruptor. So you say something or they see something polarizing that's going to make them stop and be like, what? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. And the goal of all of this is I'm sure you tell your clients too, is that you want your prospects to feel like you are speaking to them, speaking into their soul, you know, all of their problems. Like you are literally writing their diary for them. That's what you want them to feel like through this messaging. So we're speaking the same language here. Yes. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I tell them, um, to get in the, like join the conversation in their head. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. And that's what I think is really difficult for some people because they get into this mindset of like, okay, I am taking off my therapist hat, for example, and I'm putting on my marketing hat. And now I have to write this really professional sales copy that makes everything sound so good. And it's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Speak to your people like you would speak to your people. One trick that I always tell the clients that I work with is to literally call up your friend or family member, your sister, your mom, your best friend, whatever that is, Mm -hmm. and just tell them about what you do. Tell them about your new offer that you're putting out there. 
and record that conversation and pull little snippets from that to write your sales copy because you're not going to call your mom and try to sell her on your new branding package or your new life coaching session. Like you're not going to do that. You're going to call your mom and be like, mom, I'm so excited. I just put this thing together and I'm going to put it out into the world. And that's the energy that you want to put in your sales copy. Yes. Yes, absolutely. We talk about that too. Like be in the energy when you're writing because people can feel it. I believe Mm -hmm. people can feel how you were feeling when you wrote that copy. It's, it's crazy and it's mind blowing to me, but I've heard, you know, from more than one person, I can feel it. And other people are like, yeah, we can tell, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's some businesses that you go to their website and you're like, okay, this was probably written by like an 80 year old dude. And that's totally (laughs) fine. But I'm a 20 something woman. Like that's not my person. And then you go read someone else's site and you're like, oh my gosh, this is my person. I want to work with them. So for anyone listening, don't, uh, yeah, don't underestimate the importance of having your voice and your personality come through in your messaging, because sometimes that's going to be what differentiates you from someone else and draws a client to you instead of someone else. Yeah. It's, that's totally what's going to differentiate you because nobody else can be you. Mm-hmm. Right. And the people- <laughs> when I, yeah. when I started in business, everyone said that to me, they're like, your superpower is you and no one else can offer what you offer. And that makes you unique. And I was like, that is such a cliche. Like I hate that saying so much. And then the more that I've gotten into business, I was like, Oh wait, that's actually so true. Yeah. Uh, Oh, I get it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Especially when I'm a speaker and an author. And so when I'm writing and speaking, it's so much of my personality and it's the way that I connect with people when I'm on stage and they're in the audience or the way that I connect with someone when I'm talking about coming to their campus this fall or things like that. So, I mean, it's, it's everything, but yeah, when I started, I was like, uh, uh, this is so dumb, but live and learn, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's funny though, because I kind of felt the same way. I was like, well, what do you mean? Like there's a whole bunch of people that can do this exact same thing that I do, but they can't do it like I do it and they can't talk about it. Like I talk about it and that, you know, a journey with me is going to be different than a journey with you, mm-hmm. you know? Absolutely. And Absolutely. you don't, you know, you told, we totally don't grasp that until I think a little bit later when we're like really in it and we're like, Oh, that's what that meant. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I was, I was working with this one client and she's an equine assisted therapist. So she works with horses and leadership and mental illness and things like that. Mm. And we were working on figuring out what her market dominating position was. So what made her stand out beyond just the fact that she was her. And she started listing off all these incredible things that she does. Like she does goat yoga at her farm. She does this whole like <laughs> artisan farmers market and craft market twice a year and she does all these different types of workshops with the horses and things like that and she was telling me all these things Mm. and then she's like yeah but I don't know I mean everyone does this and I was like no no one does this like this is so cool and so unique we have to pull this out because she created this holistic experience it wasn't just someone coming for a session of therapy or coming for one session of goat yoga. It was this whole immersive thing that they could come and do. And I was like, that is it. Like, that's what makes you unique. The fact that you were able to create this environment. So yeah, definitely don't overlook the emotions and the feelings and the setting of what you offer when it comes to, to making yourself stand out. Yeah, no, Cause the, those are the things that, you know, again, people resonate with. They're like, Oh, it's not just a session of goat yoga. It's like, a whole farm experience, artisan, organic, loving thing, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's way more. It's an experience. It's not a class. It's not, Mm -hmm. you know, a farmer's market. (laughs) It's totally a farmer's market. Yeah. Yeah. This whole thing. It's this whole thing. And I always tell people too, it's like, especially people that are kind of in that cause-based entrepreneur thing where they don't love marketing, but they kind of have to do it in order to make revenue sort of thing. Um, I always tell them to don't try to write sales copy and talk about what it is that you're offering. Talk about the transformations that you can offer. Yeah. Because the type of clients that I work with, they are in the business of transformations. I mean, most businesses are like, that's the point, right? They offer something to their clients that changes their lives. But most of the people that I work with, it's a very cognitive, emotional life transformation that they offer. And so it's like, pull into what that looks like. Like, I don't want to, I mean, I kind of care, but I don't really care that it's an eight week session and it's an hour each time and it's Tuesdays and, you know, like 
I don't care really. I want to know what it can do for me and what I'm going to feel when I'm there and how my life is going to be changed afterwards. And it's really fun to see kind of the light bulbs go off when you tell them that because they're mm-hmm. like, Oh, I can write this. Cause I know this cause I do this every day. And it's like, yeah. yes, now go write your sales copy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, it's funny because when I first started writing my sales copy, that's pretty much what it was. Oh, you get this many calls and, or, you know, we do this, 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 and this, like, Nobody freaking cares. Nobody cares. Right. They want to know what they're going to get. Like the feeling, the emotion, the experience, the transformation, the solution. How are you going to fix their problem? Mm-hmm. That's Absolutely. what they want to know. They don't, whatever you're giving them in the actual program or, you know, class or whatever it is they're joining your membership, whatever. That's like the cherry, right? That's like you get eight calls for eight hours and we get to talk in between this, this, and this like, great. Nobody really cares about that until they know what (laughs) they're going to get from you. Yes, absolutely. Do you know who Grace Lever is? Yeah, I have heard the name. Yes. Okay. Well, she had this one sales page up one time that I just started cackling at because it was such a good example. She spent the whole sales page talking about the transformation. So it was Mm. everything, how your life was going to change, how your business was going to change. She didn't even say really what it was until the very bottom. Like she had all of the sales letters. She had multiple buttons to purchase whatever it was she was selling. And then in like a paragraph at the bottom, she was like, if you're one of those people like me that just scrolls to the end of the sales page to see what it is, here it is. And it was like two sentences that said, you know, eight week program, Tuesday, Thursday, whatever. And the rest of the letter was just talking about the transformation. And she was like, this is one of my most successful sales letters. I was like, this is amazing. (laughs) Like this is the the end of the spectrum example of what we're talking about right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you can engage somebody to read to the end of a sales page, then you're a freaking rock star. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Because some and of those, to, some of those sales sorry, pages are so long that you're like, oh yeah, I just, but then there's people that want to read every single detail, but I just, it comes to a sales page. I'm like, yeah, maybe like four or five sections. And if you want more information, I'm happy to give that to you. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same way. Well, especially when I'm reading a sales page too. I'll get through like the first paragraph or two where it's like, okay, this is who this person is. This is what their background is. And then I just start scrolling until I can see bullet points and figure out like, okay, this is what I'm getting. Okay. This is the price point. Okay, cool. Now we're good. But it's like some of those things are just so dang long. I was reading a book um, co-written by Dan Kennedy the other day. And he's like, I think the longest sales page I've ever written was 60 pages. And I was like, Oh my God, 60 pages. That's a book. Oh. Like you just wrote a book for a sales page. It was, oh man. I, I would not read that sales page. That's way too no, long. I would probably not even buy that. <laughs> Whatever it, it must've been like this year long, full university level. Like, I don't know. It, it had to be something pretty incredible to warrant that long of a sales page. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That is, that is crazy. So, you know, I talk a lot to my audience about client attraction like that is one of the main things that we're focusing on this month. Actually, I have a really cool challenge coming up at the end of the month about that. Um, and I do definitely love to teach them organic methods of attracting your clients, right? Because most mm-hmm. of my, my clients, my audience is, you know, fairly new. Like they've been in business probably a year to, you know, five years and are, and are either just starting out like, okay, like I've been doing this for a year, but I'm really not seeing, seeing very much traction or I've been, you know, I've pivoted and maybe I, now I have a new ideal client or, um, you know, even at the five year mark, cause we evolve as we go. Right. So mm-hmm. that maybe they're, we're, they're a little stagnant at where they are possibly. Mm -hmm. And you know, we, who wants to spend money if you don't have to spend money, right? I mean, if we can attract our ideal clients organically, then hell yeah, I'm all in. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, but there are some that feel like this isn't happening fast enough and they're, they start throwing money at ads. 
Yeah. So I know that you have an opinion on, you know, people mm-hmm. diving into um, investing in themselves, which I totally agree. People need to invest in themselves when they get to a certain point. Um, and, you know, through, but through Facebook ads specifically, because they're so scary to so many people for one, two, like you, I feel, I feel like you need to have an expert, like at least kind of walk you through what the hell all the stuff is. Yeah, all the buttons. Yeah. <laughs> the Facebook ads. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, you have an opinion of why this is not the best idea. So tell us about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a couple of thoughts here. First of all, I think investing in yourself is one of the best things you can do for your business, but there's a difference in investing out of desperation. Like, oh, this isn't working fast enough. I have to do it, you know? Yes. And investing out of, hey, I'm serious about growing my business. This feels like the next right step. It's, you know, going to be investing in Facebook ads, investing in a coach, investing in branding, you know, whatever that is. There's mm-hmm. a big difference there. And it's pretty yes. obvious, which is the, the camp you want to be in. Um, but The thing with Facebook ads is that throwing money at a post or a message or a graphic is not going to fix the fact that it's a bad message or a bad graphic. Like you can't throw money at something and then all of a sudden turn something bad into something good. So you need to figure out what works and what resonates before you start throwing money at it. Because then when you do invest in those types of Facebook ads, then it's going to work even better because you've already proven that your audience resonates with this. Yeah. Um, and when I first heard that advice, cause I, I was one of those people that threw money at Facebook ads. Like I have literally spent, <laughs> so was I. oh man, probably thousands of dollars on Facebook ads and got nothing in return. So mm-hmm. you're talking to someone who's in, who's in that boat or who was in that boat. Um, so when I first heard that advice, it was like, test it with your audience first. I was like, I don't have an audience. Like I don't mm-hmm. have anything right now. Mm-hmm. And if you're in one of those boats, one of the best things to do is look at the media. So what are places like Forbes publishing? What about Inc? What about entrepreneur? If your target audience is is business, Um, if it's health and wellness, you know, what are the health and wellness sites posting? What topics are they using? What language, what colors really, really learn from what is already working and successful out there Mm. and then try that with an ad. And if it doesn't work, then turn it off. Like don't keep throwing money at it. Yeah. Right. Don't let it just keep going. Shut it off. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So that's kind of my approach to, to Facebook ads, especially when you're beginning Um, But in terms of free traffic versus paid traffic, I think a lot of people think that paid is really the only way to go. Um, And that's definitely not the case. A couple examples of that are one, make sure that your website is working for you, even if you have very minimal traffic to your website. So do you have an informational offer like we discussed when talking about the conversion equation? Do you have some Mm -hmm. way to capture those people's contact information? Does your website look like it was made by a third grader in the 1900s or does it look <laughs> modern and does it reflect your personality? You know, like, is it working for you? Make sure you have those pieces in place. Make sure you have a drip campaign set up. Make sure you have a way to follow up with the people that don't buy from you right now, because a lot of people aren't ready to buy right now. So yeah. make sure you have those pieces in place. What types of partnerships can you get? Can you work with an established business and negotiate some sort of a referral fee where, hey, you send me a client, you get 10%, and then you can send people to other businesses and collect referral fees that way. Mm -hmm. Um, What about making sure that your offers are ready and in place? So if someone doesn't buy from you, do you have a downsell opportunity? Do you offer upsells on your existing sales pages? Like there's so many other ways to make sure that you get people coming in the door and revenue coming in the door from the people that come in the door before yeah. you have to start throwing money at something. And if, and like, if worse comes to worse, and especially if it's kind of a high ticket offer or a service-based offer, start calling people. When I started speaking, I think I sent out 2000 email pitches um, mm. to colleges across the country just to get a couple of gigs. And once I got my foot in the door, then there were referrals and testimonials. And then I could kind of build off of that. But if you have an offer like that, start calling people, start getting your name in front of people. Um, or, or work with the media as well. Where can you guest post? Where can you get featured? How can you get on a podcast or on a media outlet? You know, how can you get your name out there? Um, and yes, there is always an investment. It's either going to be time or money, but if you are beginning, you need to get a little bit of credibility under your belt. You need to get a few clients, a few testimonials, a few bits of business in your world before then you can take that to the next level and start throwing money at ads and things like that. That's just my opinion. No, I think you're absolutely right. There's definitely steps that need to be taken before you start throwing money at ads and your messaging, knowing who your dream client is and who it's not and who the hell you are 
as a business owner and who you're not. Like those are the pillars of, you know, my signature program. That's what I teach. That's what I coach on. That's what I teach. Like those things are so super important to know and be super clear on so that when you do invest money in ads, you know that those are resonating with the right people and going to the right, like getting put in front of the right people. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah that was another one of those things. I should just write a book about this. Cause I have so many things where I'm like, I thought it was ridiculous when I first heard it, but this is one of those <laughs> things where they were like, who's your client avatar? Who's your ideal client? And I was like, a human because humans have mental health problems. Like that was my answer. I was like, I can benefit everyone from this. Mm -hmm. And what I realized over time is that I was technically correct. Like everyone can benefit from what I offer. Everyone can benefit from learning about their mental health and learning how to take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. But where the key point in defining your ideal client comes in is in that marketing messaging. It's in what you post on social media. It's in what's on your website because you have to speak to someone, right? Mm-hmm. So you need to, you know, do social media posts, write your, ad, write your ads, write your website, like you're speaking to one individual human sitting across a coffee table, coffee table from them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if other people who are outside of your target client decide, hey, I'd love to work with you. It doesn't mean you have to say no. It doesn't mean you have to turn them away, but it right. just means that your marketing message is going to really resonate with one type of person and you're going to have lots of success there with other bits of success coming in on the side. Yeah, exactly. I call it your ideal client is like the nucleus and all of the other P like you're talking to that nucleus, but there's so many other, you know, atoms floating around that are still attracted to that nucleus that are still going to be attracted to you. Like I know a little science geeky there, but that's (laughs) (laughs) no, I love it. I love it. And that's really what I was missing when I first heard that thing about defining your ideal client. I was like, I don't want to exclude anyone like older people and men have mental health issues too. Why do I have to speak to a 30 year old woman? Like, well, get someone in the door and then they're going to tell their 80 year old grandfather about you. And then it's all going to work from there. You know, you're going to reach anyone every way. Right. Same with like business coaching too, you know, like, yeah, I can probably help hundreds of thousands of business owners. Right. But the, there's a couple things. One, do I want to work with certain types of business owners because I could probably help certain types more than I could help other types Two, um, wow. I just lost two, two just went right out of my head. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Well, yeah, while but, you think well, of two, it's the same way. I mean, and I think people often overlook when they're getting started, the importance of figuring out who you want to work with, not just who needs what you offer. Yes. Um, you know, cause you're in the beginning, you're like, just give me money. Just give me clients. I don't care who it is. I'll do it. And that's okay to maybe get you off the ground, but I have definitely had meetings with clients or like intake calls with clients, prospective clients where I'm like, I can't work with you. Like I just, we are not the same person. We do not have energy that works well together. I, I don't, I mean, maybe I can help you with some strategy stuff, but it is going to be a slog for me to legitimately help you. Yeah. Um, and, and that's not fair to either of us. They deserve yeah. a coach that's really going to love them and help them. And I deserve clients that are really going to resonate with me. Right. Exactly. I was going to say, and who wants to wake up or, you know, and think, Oh, I got to work with Susie today. (laughs) Poor Susie, man. (laughs) That is not, I know. Sorry, Susie. Like that is not who you want, how you want to feel in your business. You don't Mm want to wake up and be like, Oh, you want to wake up and be like, hell yeah. I get to work with like three of my awesome clients today. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the reason, uh, presumably, that you got into business in the first place is because exactly. you wanted to have freedom over what you did and who you did it with and when you did it and how you did it. And then to turn around and say to yourself, you must take every single client that comes in the door is doing yourself a disservice and moving yeah. you away from that goal you set out in the beginning. Yeah. Like, stop being a damn employee. You're not an employee. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You get to make the rules now. Hey, it's like the light bulb. And you know what? It's funny because people that are, um, are employees or have been employees and are newly entrepreneurs or even a year or two in, sometimes that doesn't sink in because they're so like programmed as an employee for their whole life that it does not sink in that like, Oh, nobody's going to tell me what to do. Um, 
I don't have to do this and this and this. Like I actually get to make the decisions here. Mm-hmm. And I think so, it goes back to what you said about disrupting. What was it? Disrupting the what? Disrupting the pattern. Disrupting the pattern. That's so true in your marketing messaging as well, but it's also true in how you do business. Yeah. You don't have to ask anyone permission. You don't have to do it the exact same way that everyone else has done it just because it's worked for them. If you have an idea, if you're like, Hey, I want to tweak this. I want to see about this, then do it. Like you have the freedom to do that now. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's where people start to have real success is when they step into themselves instead yes. of this like box that entrepreneurship is supposed to look like. It's like, no, be you. What do you want? What is resonating with you? How do you want to wake up and run your business and then go run it like that? Yeah. And that, you know, when I talk about building a powerful brand, that is what I talk about. Like when you step into you and you go out there and you just be you, you will magnetize the people that are meant to be with you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there, there are, there is nobody that can tell you how to run your business. There's nobody that can tell you who you should be taking for clients who you shouldn't be taking for clients, how much to charge, how much not to charge, (laughs) how many launches to do, how, like, it does not matter. Like you are the queen. You're the queen of your castle. So go be it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny about, you just mentioned how much to charge. I'm in the process of launching a new coaching program. And I was kind of putting out some feelers of some of my friends that are also in the business world, just seeing what they thought about it, kind of getting their, their feedback. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had set a price point of it. And I was talking to one of my friends who's another business coach and they were like, that seems way too expensive. And they were suggested a price that was 50 to 75% lower than what I had suggested. Um, They're like, you need to drop that a lot. And I was like, okay, okay. I'll take that into consideration. And then I was talking to another gal and I didn't even get into telling her what the program was about. I just told her the price and the topic. And she's like, that's too low. That's way too low. You need to go way <laughs> higher than that. So it's like, you know, you're going to get so many different pieces of advice from so many different people on the same thing. So just do what resonates with you, do what comes to you naturally, and then adjust from there if that doesn't work. Yeah. Um, another I mean- kind of funny example of this was when I first started running Facebook ads, I was working with a woman and learning from her about Facebook ads. And she had her whole strategy of how to do it. And it's very well laid out. And I was like, okay, so I did it and I got decent results. And I was like, what if I do this? What if I, what if I put a different type of image in there? Cause she was saying to put images of people's faces, like your face or a stock image, not quotes. And I was like, what if I tried it with a quote? And I, I put in one of my most successful quotes organically into that Facebook ad and got like three times better results than what she was saying to do. Mm. So those little nudges that you get, like that price that comes intuitively to you or that Facebook graphic that you think would be a good fit for an ad, give it a shot, like try it and see how it works and then adjust from there. Yeah. I mean, what's the worst you're going to do is, you know, you, if you're spending three or five bucks a day on Facebook ads and you run it for a week, and you don't get anything like you lost 20 bucks, like you'll right. live, you know, right. right. <laughs> the world is not going to end. <laughs> you'll live. Yeah. But another point to that too, is that's very interesting about the two people that you talk to, because that just brings to the point of if somebody values what you're offering more than somebody else, they're going to pay. doesn't matter. doesn't Absolutely. matter what it is, if it resonates and it, and they see the value in it and it solves their problem, they're going to buy it. Absolutely. And I think that gets into as well, something that I made the mistake of doing when I was first starting, especially with speaking was um, kind of pre guessing what type of clients would pay what. So I speak a lot on college campuses and I was like, okay, well, big schools, you know, the schools that have 30 to 50,000 people, they're going to have big budgets. So I can charge them more. Whereas tiny schools are going to have next to no budget. Mm. And I have gotten paid. Oh man. I've gotten paid hundreds of dollars from a giant school, like one of the biggest schools in the country. And then multiple thousands of dollars from a tiny school in the middle of nowhere, Texas. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you have no idea. And just by looking at a prospective client and saying, Oh, well, they have this, or this is their background, or this is how many years they've been in business, they're going to be able to afford more. It's not about what they can afford. It's about how much they value what you offer, like you just said. Um, So especially if anyone is selling B2B or B2School, I guess, like I am, 
um, don't try to guess based on their size, based on their length of being in existence, based on the economic area that they're in, like set your pricing at what you're valued at and the type of clients that understand what you bring to the table will pay you that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that, you know, I just actually went through this with one of my clients, the same thing. She was saying that like she knew this person personally that was looking to, to get her service. And she's like, I don't know how she's going to afford it. Like this, 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 and this. I'm like, well, hold on, hold on. Because how do you know what she can afford and what she can't? Are you, you know, in her house? Do you know her finances? Or do you know what she feels inside? Like you know nothing. You don't know any of that. And on top of that, it's none of your freaking business how she can afford it. Right. Right. Like who are we as business owners to say you should be or shouldn't be spending your money on these things or you can or can't afford it. Like, here's my offer. Like I want to help you. Here's my offer. If you love it and you want that transformation and you value what I can bring to the table, then either you're going to pay me or you're going to save to pay me or you're going to figure out how, you know, maybe we can make a payment arrangement or we can, you're like, there's a billion different ways that people can pay, right? Mm -hmm. So, absolutely. you know, we don't ever, ever assume that just because somebody, you know, you, like you're judging that person when you're saying, I don't know if they can afford me. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And just to give context for people that are like, I'm so new to business. I can't afford to invest in myself. Mm. I put between 10 and $15,000 on credit cards and a personal loan before I even made a thousand dollars in my business. Like yeah. I was like, I need this help. Some of them are good investments. Some of them are not so good investments. But the point of it was that I had not made a lot of money. I was a brand new college graduate. I was broke, but I knew that I needed help and I was dedicated enough to my vision to say, I'm going to find a way to make it work. So this isn't supposed to be this like pep up speech for people that are considering investing in themselves. But the point of this is that if you want it bad enough, if you know that this offer can change your life, then you will find a, made a, a way to make it work. And that's important to remember as a business owner presenting an offer as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So do you think, since we're kind of talking about this money thing, so when you were talking about, you know, the big school, the little school, all I could think of was, yeah, that's a money mindset thing right there. <laughs> yep. Since, yep. since you are a, uh, you know, or were one of the biggest skeptics of the power of mindset and especially, um, you know, that you worked on money mindset, right? Mm -hmm. um, talk to us about how you approach the, that whole money mindset thing now. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I'm like smiling and half laughing while I'm saying this <laughs> just for everyone who can't see me right now. So just to give a little bit of context and maybe just to defend myself a little bit, but when I was growing up, I was taught that if you work hard and you're a good person, everything will turn out for you. And like, that's the message that I was fed. So mm -hmm. all throughout middle and elementary school and high school, I worked my butt off. I was a three-sport varsity athlete. I was salutatorian in my high school. I was the editor of the yearbook and newspaper. I was first, clair first chair clarinet in three different music ensembles. I was running nonprofit events. I was refereeing soccer and basketball. Like, I was doing all of the things. And I was Jesus. like, this means that I'm going to get into a good college. And that means I'm going to get a good job. And that means I'm going to make a million dollars. And all my dreams are going to come true. <laughs> um, and obviously, that didn't happen. <laughs> and you're going to, like pass out and you know and you're up, gonna die like or you're gonna end up life. with really severe mental health struggles like I did so imagine that um yeah. no so that was kind of my mindset and that's what I was taught growing up because that's what my parents did and that's how it worked for everyone that I knew and so I was like okay and then when I got started in entrepreneurship I was doing all of the things I was working with the coaches I was doing exactly what they were saying like probably more perfectly than any of their other students because that's how type a I am Mm -hmm. uh, but I was doing everything and I was doing a lot of it. Remember 2000 pitch emails to schools in like two months. Um, yeah. I was doing all of the things and I wasn't getting results. It wasn't happening. It wasn't working. It wasn't working on the timeline that I wanted. It wasn't working at all. Um, and so I finally sat down with one of the coaches that I worked with and I feel like 
she loves me now, but probably hated me when she was working with me because I was like the most resistant person to mindset stuff. Um, but I sat down with her and I'm like, it's not working. Why isn't it working? I'm doing all of the things. And she kind of got me open to the idea that maybe it was a mindset thing. Maybe it was an energy thing. And I was literally at the point where I was about ready to throw in the towel and get a job. Um, and so I was like, I will try anything. Like, why not? What's the worst that can happen if I try this mindset stuff? Um, and so she gave me some resources and some books to read. And I started meditating and doing some affirmations and doing some journaling things and trying to like, let go of the controlling nature that I had on the results that I wanted. Um, and to be completely transparent, I didn't have any major business transformations over overnight, but I was happier. I was calmer. I was less stressed out and I was just generally enjoying my life more. And that's kind of what I say to everyone who's skeptical about doing mindset work. Cause I was like, okay, yeah, sure. Sure. It's not going to change your bank account. It's not going to change your relationships. It's not going to change the type of house you live in, but maybe it'll make you a little bit happier. Maybe it'll make you feel a little bit better about yourself. And they're like, okay, well, I mean, I guess it's worth a shot. Like I could be a little bit happier. And then they try it and then they see the transformations in their business and their relationships and the type of house they live mm -hmm. in and things like that. Um, so that's kind of how I tell people to approach it now. And that's kind of how I got started too. I was like, everything's falling apart and I don't know what to do. So why not try mindset work? It literally can't hurt. Yeah. Um, and then started to see. It can't get any worse, kind of, right? I know, right? Like literally I'm on my mom's couch. It can't get any worse. Um, and so I, I, I tried it and I, I did start to see some of those changes. And I think really how it worked for me was that I did the mindset work. I was a little bit happier. That made me a little bit better in my business because I was more excited to do it, which of course then puts more positive energy in the business. And then you get more positive results and things like that. So yeah. that's kind of my story with manifestation and, and mindset and things like that. But my biggest thing was money mindset um, because that's where I was struggling the most. Like I am fit and healthy. So it wasn't a physical health thing. Um, my relationships are fine. So it wasn't about relationships. It was like, I need money in the bank. So that's yeah. why I started doing a lot of money mindset work. And the most interesting thing happened because I went from having a really bad money mindset and not knowing that money mindset was a thing to having a halfway decent money mindset, but continually telling myself, I need to work on my money mindset. My money mindset has to be better. This has to be more, 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 yeah. which is just as resisting as, yeah. you know, not even knowing that money mindset was a problem to the point of even switching that in my head to saying, I have a great money mindset. I love money. Money is my best friend. Like we, we, we get along, we go out for coffee, we do all the things. Um, and still also then doing the action steps of the affirmations and reading the books and taking the action steps and things like that. Yeah. Um, so that was a big shift for me as well. Once I kind of accepted that mindset was a thing that was important. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's kind of my story of, of how I became the world's biggest mindset skeptic to someone who thinks that it's super important and uses it every single day. Yeah. Well, I think we all go through that. Like we all go through that transformation for self-development and mindset. Because when I started my business, I had no friggin' idea that it was, you know, all about how I was being. Like, I didn't think it had to do with me specifically. It was like, I just thought it was, oh, yeah, I have this awesome thing that I do or, you know, whatever. And, and that's it. And then like the floodgates of self-development opened and almost drowned me. And I was like, what <laughs> yeah. the hell's going on right now? Yep. But the growth that happens is unbelievable. And, you know, you were saying that, you know, you were in that in between because if you, anyone listening, if you are working on mindset right now, you're going to go through many of these in-betweens. Yes. Like you're like, Oh, this isn't a problem for me. I love money. Like who doesn't love money? Right. But then when you go to sell something, you're, you, you do that, the, the same thing. Oh, I don't, I don't know if they're going to be able to afford it. Like maybe I should, you know, lower my prices or maybe I should just not call them back because I don't think they're going to pay me, you know, um, all of those things. And then you're like, Oh, well, wait a minute. I guess, you know, why am I having those thoughts if I want money? Like, it's like you're fighting against yourself. Mm -hmm. And then you start thinking about, you know, the whole money 
like somebody introduces money mindset to you and you're like, oh, money mindset. Like, let's see what that is. And you do, you fight yourself for a little while. You fight yourself for a little while, just like you said you were, like you're telling yourself that you, you love money, that money's your best friend, but your money mindset sucks, right? Like mm-hmm. those are the two and they're totally opposing opinions in your brain because your brain is saying like, we want to believe this, but this is still what our subconscious mind is telling us. And, you know, they're trying, you're really trying to change those pathways to those beliefs that to the new beliefs that you want to have. And it's a very confusing, like couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Or it months, really you know, is. Give them that timeline. It's a, for me, it was a long time because I, yeah. I mean, to give co- a little bit more context as well, my mom has a master's degree from Yale and my dad has two bachelors in aerospace engineering and computer science. So mm-hmm. they are like the most scientific, academic, nerdy people. And I love them to death, but that's how I grew up too. Yeah. And so to have someone come in and be like, spirituality, manifestation, money <laughs> mindset. Like, I was like, what the hell are you talking about? Um, so that was, I mean, that was really it for me and learning that it's okay to be working on it and still have it at the same time. Just like yes. you were saying, like, yes, I have a great money mindset. I have a great relationship with money and I'm going to continue to cultivate it to make it even better instead yes. of, you know, I do all the work with money mindset, but my money mindset is still bad. Therefore I need to do even more of it. But yes, you know, then your brain's sitting there saying, I love money. I hate money. I love money. I hate money. And it has no idea what it's doing. So exactly. Exactly. Get on board with yourself and everything else will fall in place. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That's pretty much the exact point I was trying to make, but that in between, because I've been there and it's like, like your brain is saying one thing and your, you know, heart or your soul is saying another thing. And you're like, Oh, like, I don't even know how to listen to you right now. If you just keep going with the beliefs that you want to believe, you know, the changing your story and making the story better and making yourself better, it will all of a sudden you'll just like get this relief and you're like, Oh, okay. Like, I know I'm not done, but I made it through this first roadblock (laughs) now we just like you said keep cultivating Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah yeah when I when I was doing some of the introductory money mindset work I read all of the books because like I said I'm very type a so I was like give me all of the information Mm. um so I had this like list of a hundred different things that I could do to make my mindset better and it was just so overwhelming and so if anyone listening is feeling that way where they're like meditations, affirmations, hypnosis, um, breath work, like all of the different things. The biggest thing, the two biggest things that I think made the impact for me was a, just recognizing my internal language, not even trying to change it, just recognizing, Oh, that was a thought that I, that's probably not helping me right now. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. I remember that. Then you're going about your day. Oh, there was another one. Hmm, Okay. And just acknowledging them. Like I said, don't even try to change it. Don't try to you know, berate yourself for making a thought mistake. Just recognize that they're there. That was probably the biggest thing for me. And then the second thing is, and this is something that I still struggle with, just full transparency, but the concept of acting as if. So what would seven-figure entrepreneur Jesse do? What would um, 135-pound Jesse do? What would married Jesse do? Or whatever your goals are, you know, but like, what would the person who's already achieved those goals do? How would that person act? How would they feel? How would they speak? How would they dress? Like what would they do? And then start doing those things. Cause that's going to get you there faster. Yes. Yes, exactly. That's totally true. All of those things, you guys, if you are not writing shit down right now, like just, <laughs> Go back to the beginning of this episode and get out your notebook because we just like laid down so many tactical things that you can do from strategic marketing to mindset. Like we just covered the spectrum from, from, you know, let's go to logistics to like, let's go woo. We just went, we just rode that train all the way. So that was awesome. Um, Jesse, you have a, a free offer for our listeners. I do. I do. 
Um, so a couple things. First of all, if you would like some general inspiration and general thoughts about my head and my brain and how I approach life, if you resonated with any part of this conversation, mm. then definitely come hang out with me on Instagram. I am at Jesse Byer International, and I do posts with everything from business tips to life lessons to quotes that I like. So definitely come hang out with me there. But if you are a business owner and you would like to sit down one-on-one with me and just figure out, okay, this is where I'm missing out on revenue. This is how to take advantage of that revenue and then just get some questions answered. Then I am offering a handful of free business analysis. Um, They are about 90 minutes and we'll sit down one-on-one, like I said, and just go through your business and poke all the holes and then tell you how to fill all the holes. So if you would like one of those, um, you can either shoot me an email at jesse at jessiebuyerinternational.com or a direct message on Instagram and I'll get you all set up. Awesome. Yeah. And I have a, a link here too. Does oh, perfect. Yeah. We work? can put that in the show notes. Okay, yes, perfect. it does still. Awesome. And guys, like that's a banging offer right there. Like I can't even imagine how much it probably would cost to actually sit down <laughs> with Jesse one-on-one and, and do that 90 minutes of, Hey, my eyes are on your business. Like that's awesome. So take advantage if you're listening. Um, Jesse, any last words for our listeners? Oh man, we really did cover it. We, we did. went all the way from the woo to the do. So I think I'm tapped out. I don't think I have anything else to share. I love that. I'm going to use that. Woo to the do. That was awesome. Oh, I stole that from like Catherine Zinkina or something. That's not mine, but feel free to use it. <laughs> it's so funny because a lot of people have mentioned her name on this podcast. I'm like, I'm just going to start tagging her and <laughs> just do it. Just like every podcast episode with Catherine Zinkina, with Catherine yeah. Zinkina. Just do it. She'll love it. <laughs> Can we all listen to you? <laughs> that would actually, I feel like, I don't know her personally, but I feel like that would make her so happy because she always shares screenshots of people loving on her podcast episodes. So if you did yeah. that, I'm sure she'd be like, yes. <laughs> I know. I'd be like, oh, another podcast where we mentioned Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> just keep a running total. Just like send her a number every month of like, this is how many podcast episodes mentioned you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so funny. Awesome. Well, Jesse, I appreciate you having this conversation. It was a great conversation. Um, Thank you. You did yeah. tell us where you are on Instagram. It's same on Facebook. Yes. Yeah. And we'll link all of that stuff up in the show notes. And I think that that is a wrap. Awesome. Thank you all for right. having me. You're welcome. All right, everyone. We'll see you in the next episode.